it's a great uh, privilege and joy to open God's Word with you this morning. You know, this time of quarantine, is, uh, it, it's been a sad thing. We, we've lost many things. And we've lost, uh, many things have been postponed or, or canceled. And one of the things that has been canceled or postponed is T-ball. Do you remember T-ball? Uh, maybe your kids played T-ball or, or you remember playing that sport. Man, T-ball is so fun and it's hilarious. It's hilarious because their uniforms don't fit and they're run, running the wrong way and maybe, uh, they're not even, they're not even sure where they're supposed to be and, and they don't even care. Uh, but T-ball is so fun because they're learning a sport that I love. Now, because they're learning, uh, it's, it's not their instinct to know exactly what to do when the ball is hit. And so you practice a lot and try to teach them what to do. But even with all the practice, they sometimes forget. And even if you told them right before they hit the ball, they might forget what they're supposed to do. And so what happens at T-ball? You're guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. What happens when the ball's hit? Everyone starts yelling. And you hear all of these voices calling out, run to first, run to second, throw the ball, hold the ball, go home, turn around, pay attention. All these things are being yelled. Which voice is the child supposed to listen to? Now, I had the chance to coach two of my kids in t-ball and hoping to coach uh, my third one next year. And I have the perspective from the field. And I've heard all of the voices yelling. But I've also had this perspective that sometimes the parent of the child is yelling the opposite of what the coach is yelling. Throw it to first. Hold the ball. What is that child supposed to do? See, there are many who would be the coach. But there's only one true coach. Only one person has the coaching shirt on. You know, the same is true about our lives. There are many who would be your shepherd, but there's only one good shepherd. You know, Jesus says in John chapter 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. And you can turn in your Bibles there. You know, shepherding is a theme throughout the Bible. There are many shepherds in the Bible, David, Abel, Jacob. These are all shepherds. Sometimes uh, the leaders of God's people are called shepherds. So priests and kings and prophets. Even in the New Testament, pastors, that word means shepherd. And sometimes in the Bible, God is the shepherd. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, there's one place in the Bible that's really important for us to understand what Jesus is saying in John 10. Ezekiel chapter 34, God tells the religious leaders, He says, you are bad shepherds. You, you're supposed to be caring for my people, but you're not. You're devouring them. You are, you are uh, gaining off of them instead of serving them and caring for them. So God says, I'm going to be the shepherd myself. I'll come and shepherd them myself. As a matter of fact, my servant David will come be the shepherd. And he doesn't mean King David because King David has been de- dead several hundred years uh, after this uh, Ezekiel is written. What he means is, someone in the line of David is going to come be this shepherd. And then Jesus stands up. Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, the Son of David, stands up and he says, I am the good 
shepherd. I am the good shepherd. See, there are many who would be your shepherd, but there is only one good one. The question is, how do you identify the good shepherd? And Jesus tells us in John 10, there are three identifiers. The first one is this. The shepherd calls. Look with me, in uh, beginning in verse 1 in John chapter 10, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. You know, ancient Near Eastern shepherding is an interesting thing. One of the things that's true about them is they would have sheepfolds inside the city. And there may be lots of different sheep and lots of different shepherds that kind of used it as a communal pen. Now, when it was time for that shepherd to gather his sheep, the way that he would do that is use a unique call that only his sheep would respond to. So there may be many shepherds calling out, but the sheep only responded to their shepherd. My great-grandmother, Nanny Sell, owned a farm uh, in in Harwood, Texas. It's out near Lewing. And uh, we used to go there all the time when I was a kid. And I remember we went out there one Easter. I think it was Easter. We went out there, and I, I guess there were a lot of us, and she was kind of bothered by us. She was a little annoyed by us. So she would uh, she sent us out to do her a favor. She wanted us to gather the cows and get them into the barn so they could be fed. So all of us city folk go out into the pasture and we kind of make a human chain and we comb through the pasture and we try to funnel these cows down the fence, along the fence and into the barn. And we were pretty successful at getting the cows to funnel along the fence. But when they got to the barn, they walked right past the the barn and circled back into the pasture. And we battled with those cows for about an hour. It was over an hour, and we were, we were frustrated. What we didn't know is that Nanny Cell was inside, watching us through the back door, the back window, uh, with some of the old folks in there, the cowboys, the ranchers, watching us and laughing and having a great time. Um, after about an hour, I guess she'd had her break. She came out on the back porch, and do you know what she did? She let out a, a suey. Now, my Uncle Wes wanted me to give that exact call to you, um, I'll leave that for him to post online for you. Uh, but she let out this unique call that she had. And what did those cows do? They went right into the barn. See, a stranger they would not follow. But they knew the voice of their master. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. My shepherd, hear my voice. Have you ever heard the voice of Jesus? I don't mean an audible voice. What I mean is that Jesus is calling to us. Have you ever come to the understanding that Jesus is who he says he is? And you believe in your heart of hearts that Jesus is Lord. And he is the one who is ruling and reigning. And you know that you should submit, and, submit to him and obey him. 
Have you heard the voice of Jesus? Have you heard the voice of Jesus in the Scriptures? You know, we're calling this series Red Letters, Jesus Said I Am. Because some Bibles use red letters to show you the words that Jesus said and the words that He didn't say are in black letters. It kind of helps you find His words better, but, but the red letters aren't more important than the black letters. The black letters are just as important as the red letters because all Scripture is breathed out by God. It's all profitable for us as we want to know God and we want to be uh, molded into the image of Christ. So what we can say is that the Scripture, all of it is the Word of God. Not just the red letters, all of it is the Word of God. Do you recognize the authority of Jesus in the Scriptures? Do you hear His voice there? Have you heard the voice of Jesus? And here's the thing. This kind of belief, this kind of understanding that you have of who Jesus is and you recognize His authority, that's proof that you belong to Him. You've heard His voice. You're one of His sheep. There are many shepherds who would call. Only one of them is the Good Shepherd. Which voice do you recognize as the authoritative one. The shepherd calls. Do you hear him? The shepherd calls. And, and the second thing that we see from this text is that the shepherd leads. The shepherd leads. Look in verse 3. At the end of verse 3, it says, He leads them out. Verse 4, he, When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his Voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Now, ancient Near Eastern shepherds would lead their sheep out. They would call them and collect them, and then they would lead them out of the pen, and they would lead them out into the countryside. They would not go behind them, but they would be out in front. Now, one of the things that I have learned about sheep is that they are stubborn. That's the nice way of saying that they're kind of dumb. Uh, for example, uh, sheep have a hard time drinking from moving bodies of water. They might fall in. Sheep will eat themselves into a desert, and now there's no food, and, and they die. Sheep can become cast sheep. That means they can fall over on their back, and they can't get up until somebody helps them back. And we laugh at sheep, and we call them stupid until we realize God calls us sheep. And it's not so funny anymore. See, if, if left to ourselves, we won't go the places we need to go. And we won't do the things that are best for us. For our good, we need a shepherd to follow. And we need to follow him wherever he leads. You know, this is really beginning to remind me of Psalm 23. You know that psalm. You've got it on a t-shirt, on a coffee cup. You've got it on your wall somewhere. You know Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. And then a couple of verses in, it says, He leads me beside still waters, and He makes me lie down in green pastures. Still water, because remember, the sheep can't drink a moving body of water. They have a hard time with that. So still waters. He takes them to a place where they're safe and can be nourished. And, and green pastures. Because, remember, sheep will eat themselves into a desert, and it says He makes them lie down in green pastures. They don't want to go there, and so He makes them. 
for their good. He protects them from themselves. Now, one of the things that's true is that sometimes to get to still waters and to green pastures, you've got to go through the valley. You know, that's what Psalm 23 says. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the idea of the valley of the shadow of death, it's the valley, these deep, dark ravine. You know that valley. The one when you're not exactly sure, you, you, you can't really see in front of you. The one where you realize that, that you don't necessarily control your circumstances anymore. You know that valley. The one where you've lost your job. The one where you got sick or a family member got sick or your kids did something or your kids ran from the faith. You know the valley when life has smacked you upside the head. The valley of deep shadows. You see, sometimes to get to God's best, we have to go through the valley first. But do you remember what Psalm 23 says? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what does it say next? I will fear no evil, and then a, per, uh, and then a reason why. I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. The shepherd is with me. The shepherd never abandons his sheep. Make no mistake, where you are in life is no accident. And you may feel like you're in the valley and you are all alone, but there is nothing further from the truth. The shepherd never abandons his sheep. He is there with you and you can trust him. You can trust your shepherd. You can trust that he's leading you to still waters and green pastures right where you need to be. Your, your best. He's leading you. You can trust Him. And you can also trust Him because He's not leading you anywhere that He hasn't been first. You know, that, that's the nature of leading and following. He's not behind pushing us. He's in front leading. And, and the nature of that means wherever we go, He's been there first. He's been there first. He's experienced it first. So He'll never be surprised. He'll never make a mistake. We'll never get to a place and he'll wish we hadn't gone that way, but now let's backtrack. That's not the way the shepherd leads. And so may the Lord go before you as you follow after him. So the shepherd calls, the shepherd leads, and finally, the shepherd protects. The shepherd protects. You know, verse 11 I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. What distinguishes the good shepherd from others? It's that he lays down his life for the sheep. A little bit further in the text, it says hired hands won't do that. And it's not because the hired hands are bad people. It's because they don't care about the sheep. This is just a job. And, and they're not really concerned too much with the sheep, but the good shepherd loves his sheep more than he loves his own life. See, a flock of sheep may encounter dangers from wild animals, dangers from thieves and robbers. A hired hand assesses the situation 
when he senses that there's a little bit of risk to his own life, he makes a run for it. But not so the shepherd. Why does the good shepherd lay down his life, though? For what reason? The text tells us it's because he knows the sheep. He cares for the sheep. He has a relationship with the sheep. It says that he calls them by name and intimate knowledge of each one of his sheep. And so Jesus tries to illustrate this uh, for us, this relationship that the shepherd has with the sheep. He tries to illustrate it in verse 14 when he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. Okay, so Jesus is trying to help us understand. Here's what he says. The shepherd knows the sheep like the father knows the son. So let me think about this for a second. How does the father, God the father, how does he know the son of God? Well, authority. And you can see in verse 18 at the end, it says that he's the the son of God received a charge from the father. Authority. But that's not the only way that the father knows the son of God. That's, That's not it. It's also delight. Think about when Jesus was baptized. The Father's voice boomed from heaven. What did he say? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Father is delighted by the Son. You know, I tell my children all the time, I'm proud of you. I probably say it too much because every now and again, my son will say back to me, well, I'm proud of you. And I, I don't really know what that means. Uh, and that means I probably say it too much. Um, But my kids can't ever say my dad never said he was proud of me because I say it all the time. There's something about having a father figure say that he's proud of you, that that makes you swell with pride. My grandfather passed away this last year, and the last conversation that we had with him, that I was able to have with him, uh, the last thing he said to me before I left the room was, I love you, and I'm proud of you. And what, what does that do to my soul? What does that do to my heart? It makes me swell with joy and with pride to know that my grandfather was pleased with me. My youngest daughter is only three. And so when I tell her I'm proud of her, I started to realize she has no context for the word pride. What does that mean? So I tried to translate it into three-year-old language. And the word I chose was the word happy. You make me happy. When I think about you, when I look at you, when I'm with you, you make me happy. I tell her all the time, you make me happy. That's it, isn't it? The Father in heaven is happy with his Son. He's proud of his Son. He delights in his Son. The Son makes the Father happy. This is the manner in which the Father knows the Son. And what Jesus is telling us here is this is how Jesus, the Good Shepherd, knows his sheep. He knows you intimately. He knows you by name. And He delights in you. He's proud of you. You make Him happy. He is well pleased with you. Not because you've been able to measure up and you've got everything cleaned up and buttoned up. Not because you measure up. Not because you perform. Do you know why the shepherd is pleased with his sheep? Because they're his. Jesus delights in you. Because you belong to him. 
He's no hired hand. You're not just a job for Jesus. He's the good shepherd, and he delights in his sheep. And the text says that the Son knows the Father. What is the manner in which the Son knows the Father? It's love expressed through obedience. The Son loved his Father, and he loved his Father so much that he was willing to execute his plan to go to the cross. In complete trust and surrender, the Son went to the cross to accomplish his Father's purpose. And so, just as the Son knows the Father, so, do, so too do the sheep know their shepherd. The sheep trust the shepherd with their lives. They love him and they trust him and that's expressed in obedience. That's the language of following. He tells me where to go and I go willingly. To hear is to obey. You know, the sheep won't follow anybody else because they're strangers. But they know their shepherd and they'll follow him anywhere. I have a, a memory from when I was a kid. Um, it was so traumatic that I remember it. I was, I was short enough to where everybody's knees were eye level. And we were at a restaurant, and I was standing in line like kids do. Not standing, just moving around. Uh, and I saw my dad's knees, and I went over and gave him a big hug around the knees. And then I looked up to my horror. It was not my dad. It was a stranger. And I turned around to see, and... It, my dad was behind me. They were wearing the same pants. And so I was horrified, and I went and I hugged my dad. Do you understand? I don't hug a stranger. I hug my dad. I don't follow a stranger, but I'll follow my dad. That's the way sheep are. They know their shepherd, and they'll follow him anywhere. And so the shepherd... Lays down his life for the sheep because he knows them. He cares for them. He delights in them. They aren't just a job for him. Listen, he delights in you. Jesus delights in you. He delights to save you. And we know him. And we'll follow him anywhere. And so Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, and you know I'm the good shepherd because I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, this isn't hyperbole or theoretical, like, man, I take a bullet for you. That's not what Jesus means when he says, I lay down my life. This is the actual plan. Verse 18, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down. This is the charge I have received from my Father. This is the plan. The Father's plan long ago was that the shepherd would lay down his life for the sheep. It's the plan. It's not theory. And just a few days after Jesus would say these words, he would lay down his life. He would die on the cross for sinners like you and me. And he was crucified in order to pay the penalty for our sins. Jesus died so we don't have to. But here's the beautiful thing. Jesus wasn't the victim of circumstances. 
It wasn't like he upset the political authority, as some would have you believe, and then was executed for that. No, no, no. What the text says is that he laid down his life. He says, I have the authority to lay down my life. Nobody takes it from me. I'm laying it down. It's been said that this wasn't robbery. This was charity. He willingly gave it away. And not only does Jesus have the authority, the text tells us, not not only does he have the authority to lay it down, it says that he has the authority to take it back up again. And we know that Jesus rose from the dead after three days. He is risen from the dead so that you and I might have the opportunity to receive eternal life. And so I'm asking you right now where you're sitting, place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who died, the one who rose again and received forgiveness of sins and eternal life. The shepherd calls, the shepherd leads, the shepherd protects. There are many that would be your shepherd. Many who call out to you and say, this is the way, walk in it. There are many who would have you follow after them. How do you, how do you determine which one is the good shepherd though? Oh, you hear his voice. You recognize his authority. You follow after him. You submit to him. You obey him. Now, all the other shepherds would have you hear their voice. All the other shepherds would have you follow after them. What distinguishes the good shepherd? The good shepherd laid down his life for you. Which of the other shepherds would do that? Thank you.